Okay. Are we recording? Great stuff. Good morning, people on Zoom, and good morning, people in the building. It's great to see you today. My name is Matt. It's my privilege to speak to you this morning. And continuing with our series in 1 Corinthians, if you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please do, uh, if you haven't got a Bible and, and, and you're new to church, that's fine. But the rest of you, if you come to this church regularly, please do open up your Bible and uh, whether it's on your phone, just don't look at WhatsApp or whatever, you know, get distracted. Just uh, open up your phone, your gadget and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm in the NIV version. Uh, which I use, and uh, my title today is Help Me to Become Love, because the title of this series is Becoming Love, and um, excuse me with this silly thing, I always have trouble with this microphone, um, the, the, the title of the series is Becoming Love, and that, that's, that's what we need to be, love is an action. Love is not just a feeling. There is a feeling to it, of course. But love is action. Love is doing, becoming love. That's what 1 Corinthians is about. And the, the details of that, what it means to love people. What, is, what, is, what it, does it mean? You've got to define it. We've got to clarify it. And uh, the Bible, particularly 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is like the center point of the book, will tell us a lot about that. But all of it... It's very practical about how to become love. So help me to become love. Say that. Help me to become love. It's a prayer. Lord, this is what we pray, isn't it? Lord, help me to love people in the church. Lord, help me to love people in my workplace, in my school, in my college, wherever I am. Help me to love them like you love them. Help me to be wise in the way I act. Help me to say the things or not to say the things. When to challenge, when not to challenge. And we need the Holy Spirit's wisdom from his word and the Holy Spirit's guidance in each situation to guide us. And it's not always easy to know when to challenge and what to say and what not to say. So we need to, that, it needs to be a prayer. Help me to become love. One of the things I try to do, I'm trying to create this, I have this habit of, I have a little checklist of things when I leave the house. And it goes like this, bus, bus, keys, phone, uh, umbrella, mask, cup. Yeah? Mask is going to go out the window hopefully soon. Hey, amen? But I also add love. Bus, pass, keys, phone, umbrella, mask, key, uh, uh, Love. Um, I want to love people. So Lord, help me to love. I leave, the, leave, leave the door. Not only have I got all those things. Cup nowadays, trying to be good to the environment and all that. Otherwise, I'd never take it. But I'm also trying to love people. If I can love people as I leave this house, if I can love people, then I would have done a good, it'd have been a good day, wouldn't it? And uh, that's, what, that's the greatest thing, right? Love. Loving people, and uh, that's what we do as Christians. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to go through it. I'm gonna, it's always hard to know 
when you're dealing with the Bible, whether, whether to take out one verse and preach on it or whether to just cover all of it. So I'm going to cover all of it as briefly as I can because what we're trying to teach is, you know, we're just trying to read through the Bible. And some of you may not have ever read 1 Corinthians chapter 9 before. Some of you may not have ever read 1 Corinthians before. So it's important that we do read it together, I think. So in verse 1, it says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So some in Corinth, are disrespecting Paul's leadership. They're not receiving his teaching. They're not listening to this apostle. An apostle were the people who met the Lord Jesus Christ and put him after the resurrection on the road to Damascus. I won't go into, a, won't go into the details, but he met the Lord Jesus. These were special leaders who were appointed by God to start the church and to write the Bible. So our New Testament is written by apostles or to those who were writing on behalf of apostles. And that's why we receive it as the word of God. Because it's written by these people, these special people who were appointed by Jesus. And, and many in Corinth were not receiving his apostleship. We were disrespecting him. We're not listening to him. And it goes on, verse 3. This is my defence to those who sit in judgment on me. So you can see there's people sitting in judgment on him, in Corinth particularly. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas, that's Peter? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right not to work for a living? So you see here, that some in that church are sitting in judgment. They are rejecting him. They're refusing. They're not listening to his teaching. This book, for example, and some in our, you know, many people in our nation would not receive this book, will sit in judgment on Paul, will not receive it. So you may be here today sitting in judgment on Paul. You're not going to receive his teaching. Oh, he's, he's this, he's that. I'm not going to listen to such a person as that. Paul is... Apostle, we as a church listen to his and all the New Testament and all the Bible is God's word. And we're endeavouring, it's not always easy to understand as you'll see today, but we're endeavouring to live out this book because that's what we receive it. We don't sit in judgment of Paul, we receive it. So um, a, a, a big mark of their rejection of him was their failure to financially support him. Now, it wouldn't have been everyone, but clearly some of the influential people in the church were saying of Paul, we're not going to financially support him. We're going to support these apostles, this person, that person, but we're not going to support Paul and Barnabas for whatever reason. And if you go back to the beginning of the book, you remember there was this big thing about I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and there was that division amongst them. And that division was worked out by the fact they were not providing and helping him in his mission. So it carries on, verse 7. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? 
Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law, that's the, the Old Testament, doesn't the, the, the Bible say the same thing? For it's written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us. Because whoever ploughs and threshes should be able to do so in hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown, a, sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar in the same way? The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So he gives these three illustrations. Soldiers, vine growers, shepherds, that show that it's right that you earn your living from what you do. And Likewise, the, argue, the point is these illustrations are making the point that if you are in Christian ministry, and he's obviously talking about apostles here, he and Barnabas, but if you're in Christian ministry, then you should receive your livelihood from that. Now, we're going to go on to say he, you can waive those rights, and he is waiving those rights. But you can see the point he's making here. He gives a further couple of uh, illustrations. Priests. Those who serve at the altar, who work in the temple at the time before it was destroyed, they received food from the offerings and they also received tithes and offerings from the people in order to be able to live and do their ministry. So he shows that supporting Christian leaders is biblical. So do not muzzle the ox while it's treading the grain. It's not just some phrase, it's it's from the Bible. And the point he's saying is, this is not about oxen, although God is concerned for animals, of course, and their welfare. This is about people, that we should not muzzle the ox while it's treading the grain. We should respect our leaders and we should support them. And we as a church, for example, give generously to the work of New Ground, to Dave Holden, and to the, any setting that we... we, we, we where Christian leaders are in need. We will help this situation in Ukraine, won't we? We will help them because they are our brothers and sisters. That's obviously more, more broadly. We should be generous. But um, obviously, you, you see the point here, and it goes on. But I have not used these rights. Am I not writing this and I, sorry, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. 
When, what then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not, so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. So although he has the right of support, some at Corinth are opposing that and stopping this, stopping this from happening, but he is waiving those rights. He's not demanding his rights. Whether I'm, he's basically saying, whether I'm paid or not, I am going to preach the gospel. Whether I'm paid or not, I'm going to love you and I'm going to serve you. And this is squeaking. Whether I'm paid or not, I am going to do what God has called me to do. Whether you respect me or not, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And this should be all of our attitudes. Whether I'm respected in what I do, whether I'm properly paid in what I do, whether people treat me as I think I deserve, I'm going to be like Jesus Christ and live the gospel and lay my life down for the good of others. Although I have rights, Jesus Christ had the right to be worshipped by every person. Yet he put up with rejection and hatred, was nailed to a cross in love for people. And that's how we live, ideally. I know we fail. I know we do fight for our rights. I know we do feel, you know, when people don't respect us as we think we deserve. I know that's really hard and we find it hard and sometimes we fail to do a good job when people don't respect us and people don't notice us and people don't pay us properly. I know we find that hard. And that's not to say we shouldn't fight for people's rights. Just, just hear what I am saying. Is, is that we should love and serve and, and uh, be kind regardless. So that's what Paul is doing here. Though I am free and belong, verse 19, to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. Um, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. You're going to have to work this out in your own time. I'm not going to cover all of this stuff, right? There's some stuff here you've got to engage your mind with in your own time, okay? So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have come all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. I will not demand my right for financial support so that I will not hinder the gospel. That's what he's saying. He will sacrifice his freedoms and his preferences to serve Jews, Gentiles, the weak. And we could go on to what people group is around us. We will do all that we can not to hinder the gospel from coming to them. We won't unnecessarily offend people as we seek to bring the gospel to them. And that needs to be worked on. So let's just, let's just 
focus in a little bit on verse 22, the second half of verse 22. I have come all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Firstly, people need saving. We were praying for Ukraine today. We are moved with compassion. We're moved with compassion. Let's not forget, there's, the, the world is full of conflict. Yemen, Syria, these, these have, things haven't gone away. Afghanistan hasn't gone away. The world is full of conflict. Let's keep praying. Susie encouraged us not to forget to pray. Let's not, to forget, let's not forget to pray also for other nations and situations around the world. But we are moved with compassion, aren't we? We see these images. We see people, that, that phrase that, that Lucy used, these people are us a few days ago. These, these are us. The veneer of peace is so easily broken. We, we become those people hiding away in fear. And we are, we, we are moved. But let me broaden that out. Are we moved for the souls of people around us? People need saving. Let's remember what Paul is saying here. He's saying, my, I'm, a, I'm, I'm prepared to put up with disrespect and I'm prepared to put up with not getting paid. I'm prepared to travel. I'm prepared to do hardship. Why am I prepared to do that? I'm prepared to do that because people's souls eternally are in jeopardy. And he's moved with it, compassion for it. He's moved. And the church needs to, not just this church, the church generally needs to be restored to some compassion. We're so selfish. We're so complacent. We're unmoved. A lot of the time. People need saving. I might save some. People need salvation. They need to be brought back to God. Jesus died for our justification. What that means is he died on the cross to take our sin from us. All the wrongs we've done. But as he died, he also, as you receive him, he also gives you his righteousness. There's a great exchange that happens. So you are free now from condemnation. Because Jesus has taken your sin and has given you his righteousness. It's not what you do. It's not anything that you do that's going to make you accepted by God. It's not anything you do that makes you more right with God or, or gives you, opens the door for heaven. The reason why you can go to heaven, the reason why you can know God today and pray to him about anything is because Jesus has given you his righteousness and taken taking your sin upon the cross. And everyone needs to know this. And everyone needs this. People need saving. It's the gospel message that saves. We looked at 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the... What is it? Power of God. Us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's foolishness, right? It's 
foolishness that a man dying on the cross can somehow, 2,000 years later, have any relevance to us. Maybe it's a good example. But as Christians, we don't just believe it's a good example. In fact, a great example is not really what it's about. What it's really about is him taking our sin and saving us from judgment. Again, we can sit in judgment on Paul if we like. We can reject these words. As a church, we're going to embrace God's word. This message of the cross. So people need saving is the first thing. We need God to move us with compassion. Secondly, I can hinder or I can help the gospel. I, I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. So I, I have got something to do. I have become all things. I have changed what I say. I have changed what I do to help people. The way you do it is important. The gospel is a, is, is a message of power to save. But you can stop, you can, you can hinder its effect by the way you present it and the way you bring it to people. Let's not be super spiritual. This is not magic. This is not like a magic uh, formula or, or sort of incantation. If you say it, people will get saved. You know, if you stand out on the streets going, God so loved the world, read off it. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And again, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You stand there all day doing that. I'm not saying people won't, but the way you're doing it is probably not as effective as it could be, right? The way you do it is important. So you've got to pray for wisdom for that. Becoming all things to all people. I can help or I can hinder. I have Say, I have. Talk to the big, help me to become love. I have become. What are you going to do for, this, for, for, that, for the sake of people? What are you going to do? How are you going to share the gospel? Who are the people in your life? Who are you? Who has God made you to be to reach the people that you can reach? We've got to get better at this, haven't we? God's got to move our hearts. We've got to own this. We've got to feel this. I have. So let's avoid hindrances. We looked last week at the stumbling block principle. The stumbling block principle in the context of Corinthians at the time. They were eating meat, sacrificed to idols, and they were drawing people who had just Christians who had up back into their old lifestyle. The stumbling block principle can apply to our relationships with non-believers as well. Are we tripping them up unnecessarily by the, what we say and what we do? Paul is talking about money here. This is a big aspect of what we've been looking at. He says here, if others have the right of support from you, I mean, this is verse 12, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel. So you can see what's happening is money 
is tripping up people. So they're, what they're saying in effect is, Paul just wants our money. So therefore, I can't believe that gospel, can I? I can't believe that message. It's like these, some of these, you know, these people who are just, it seems like, after your money. And they preach the gospel in a way, and it's all about money. Now, I don't know their hearts and what they're about, but they do talk a lot about money. And the reason why I'm going on about money now is because it's in the text, right? It's in the Bible. I just read it to you. And money is important, of course. But it can be a stumbling block. And if it seems like the church is just after money, what does that say about the gospel? It, it can nullify it. It can make people say, oh, they, that gospel's nonsense. I don't really want to, I'm not going to believe that. Because it's just about money. So Paul is removing that stumbling block by not using his rights. This word, so I do not hinder the gospel. We can hinder the gospel. It means to cut into. This is what David Pryor says, this word obstacle or, or uh, hinder the gospel. So I will not hinder the gospel. It means literally a cutting into was used of breaking up a road to prevent the enemy advance. Paul had avoided doing anything which might prevent a clear road for the gospel. So we can see in war, war situations, often the enemy will bomb the road. Or even you might bomb the road yourself to stop the enemy coming in. Or you might bomb a bridge, for example, to stop the enemy coming in. Or the enemy might bomb the bridge to stop you coming out, whatever it might be. You can see that roads are important. And you can bomb that road by the way you speak and by the way you act. You can make the gospel seem silly. And we must do all we can, and this takes wisdom. Uh, it's not easy. You've just got to be aware of this. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to become love. Help me in the situation I'm in to become love. Not to bomb the road. So I can help and hinder the gospel. And there are three groups of people here he talks about. To the Jews, I became like the Jew. To win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. So I'm not trying, in that context, that situation, there was a big Jewish population. And so they were trying not to do things that were going to needlessly offend that population. And I guess we could say for ourselves, do I speak and act in ways that needlessly offend people of other religions? Am I careful? Am I thoughtful about people of other faiths? Am I, am I careful and loving and kind? Careful in what I say. I don't want to bomb the road, right, of our relationship. I want to do the best I can. I want to bring them to Jesus. There's going to have to be an offence. The offence is the cross. Jesus is the saviour. Messiah, he's the son of God, you do need to receive him. There's going to be some, sense, you know, we've got to get there. 
but let's not needlessly offend people. Gentiles, those not having the law. To those not having the law, I have become like one not having the law. Though I myself am not free from God's law, but I'm under God's law, Christ's law rather, so as to win those not having the law. When it says under Christ's law, um, what does that mean? I'm not under the law, I'm free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. Or rather, he says here, though I am, because previously he said I'm not under the law, and now he says, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. It's, it's an interesting one. And so as Christians, we, Christ's law is a couple of things. Firstly, it's love, love. This is a new commandment I give you. What's it say? Love one another. New commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. So love, that's one of the main things. So I'm under Christ's law. I'm to love people. But also, under Christ's law, is to apply the Old Testament in the way that Jesus and the apostles applied it. And that takes some working out. We've got to obey Jesus. We've got to obey what he says. We've got to obey the New Testament. And we've got to obey the Old Testament in light of how the New Testament applies it. So let me give you a very simple and controversial example as it comes to mind. So, for example, the Sabbath. What, what, which of the Ten Commandments is that? Anybody? What Sean knows, you see. You, you know Sean's going to know, don't you? Can I, we should all know. We should all know these things, right? Church, come on. It's God's word. Important thing. Fourth commandment. Keep the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. <gasps> what do we do? How do we respond to that? Well, what we say is, okay, how does the New Testament deal with that? How does Jesus and the apostles deal with that law? We can't just throw it away, can we? It's God's word. And to cut a long story short, the way, we, the way that Hebrews deals with the Sabbath is that your Sabbath rest is Jesus. The, sab- the resting from your works means as Christians, you now rest from your works for salvation. That's the way that the New Testament applies the Sabbath law. You will find nothing about keeping a special day holy. Okay? So I'm saying to you, we are under Christ's law. We've got to obey his word. So in trying to love people and accommodate to them, We must never break God's word because we're under Christ's law before anything else. We're seeking to love God first before even people, okay? So we mustn't, we can hinder or we can help the gospel. Let's do all we can to win people. Those, it says here, not having the law. Those people who are outside, who don't have any beliefs maybe, atheists, agnostics, People of, any, people of different backgrounds. He says about the weak here. To the weak, I became weak. What does that mean, to become weak? Well, he's probably talking about the people, people who are poor. People who are weak, societally. People who are struggling in their lives. And we've got to be kept. Who am I talking to? Who's the person I'm talking to? 
talk to, you know, who are they? Is me going on about my education, your, your job? Is you going on about your family? Is you going on about your holidays? Is, is you going on about this new thing you've bought? Is that going to help the person in front of you to feel miserable about themselves? Or are you going to just put that stuff aside and talk about your own weaknesses maybe and your own struggles and how you find faith difficult sometimes and how you were disappointed about this or that and how you found things hard because you're trying to help the weak? Who are you talking to? Let's try and love them. Help me to become love. The band's going to come up. We're going to worship together. He says, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel. I'm not going to hinder this gospel. People need to be saved. People need to be saved. I can help or I can hinder. I'm, not going, to do, I'm going to try, Lord, not to do anything. Help me, Lord, not to do anything. It's going to hinder this gospel. We need to become love. Paul uses these words, and I just, just want to finish with this, really. You know, we, we can know this, can't we? But if we're not, some, if our hearts aren't on fire, if we're not full of compassion, we're not going to do anything. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change in your life. We're going to become a church that loves the lost, serves them, reaches them, because we are moved with compassion. Not just because I taught you, said, said some stuff this morning. You, you need the Holy Spirit to, to, to fan into flame that fire in you. He says this, when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, I am compelled, I'm compelled to preach. Woe is me, woe is me, if I do not preach the gospel. I preach it, if I preach it voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. He's compelled internally. He's met Jesus. He's met Jesus. He's seen Jesus. Jesus has spoken to him. Jesus has said to, said to Paul, I want you to serve my church. Do you know what he said to you and me? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have to feel compelled. And I can't do that. The Holy Spirit can do that. You've got to be honest with yourself, guys. We've got to be honest with ourselves. We talk a lot, a lot about running an alpha course. We love alpha courses. It's 
exploring Christ. Let me ask you the question. If we did an Alpha course next week, how many friends do you have that you could invite and would be prepared to invite them to it? I think for most of us, we're saying, I'm bankrupt. I mean, I've not invested in anybody. And the reason why you haven't invested in anybody is not, and forgive me if I'm disrespecting you and you've got loads of people that you've been invested in and that you could invite to an Alpha course. The reason why you haven't invested in them is because you don't care enough. You don't love them. And I'm saying the same for myself. You're not compelled. You haven't heard Jesus. You may have heard me say it, but you've not heard Jesus say it to you. Go and make disciples. Go and love people. They need me. He says, I'm discharging a trust, a stewardship. We have a stewardship, church. The gospel. Jeremiah says this. And this is what we need, the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to take the truth, because we need the truth, but the Holy Spirit makes this truth alive to our hearts and actually changes our lives. He says this, if, but if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I cannot. May God give by the Spirit, you, I, each of us, this fire in our bones. That we would love people. We would not put stumbling blocks in people's way. We would do all that we can. Lay our lives down so that others can come to know this wonderful Lord Jesus. Lord, help me to become love. Stand together.